Welcome to another episode of Politically Entertaining. I'm Frank here with Byron. Uh, and Byron, before we get started, we have a huge show today. But before we get started, let the listeners know uh, what we do, how we do it, and why we do it. We here at Politically Entertaining, we pretty much cover uh, you know stories that are important to you. We also try to cover stories that we think are important and also are not covered as much in mainstream media. And me and Frank do our best to try to bring a little bit more attention to those topics. Uh, last week, we had our first with our first politician on, Senator Tim Scott. If you missed that episode, please check it out. Before we get into politics, <laughs> I wanted to know, Frank, if you uh, on social media, did you see that that new Steph Curry uh, shoe? It was like white on white and people had jokes for days on it, calling it everything from the air snitch to the air tattletales and I saw a meme with a pair of them on uh, Ned Flanders from The Simpsons. So it was pretty funny. They were kind of pretty ugly. He even got asked about the uh, the tennis shoe at the uh, post-game, the post-news conference after the game in the finals. But my, my larger question for you is, you know, did you see the shoes first off? But, you know, me and your generation, we we – our generation, Nike has been the big thing. Nike and Jordan, that has been the big thing. But it always wasn't like that. You know, Adidas used to be the big thing. Converse, even before that, with Magic Johnson. And then I would say around about when we were in elementary school, Nike took off. Can you see Under Armour eventually taking over Nike? The reason I ask is because they got a lot of the top athletes. Cam Newton, Bryce Harper of the Washington Nationals, Steph Curry, who's the reigning two-time MVP, 20 years from now, will we be looking at like our kids or grandkids and saying, man, I remember when Nike was top dog. Now it's under arm. I think you made uh, making a great point. Uh, 20 years from now, I think Under Armour will still be there. I don't I don't know that they are going to completely surpass Nike, uh, but they certainly are going to have a foothold. They're going to be right there. Like you mentioned, uh, Cam, Cam Newton, Steph Curry, Tom Brady. Those are top three of the top players in their sport. Uh, and actually, I think all of them have won MVPs, I, I want to say. Uh, and so, you know, that's that's a that's huge star power. Obviously, Nike still has their their cash of characters. They're still they still have the Jordan brand under them. They still have LeBron, who's an all time great player with a lifetime contract. So the, Nike's not exactly going to fold. But I think that Under Armour, with his different kind of products that it's made, it's it's already got its foothold. So I think that. 20 years from Under Armour could be the largest, largest could be the biggest, but Nike would probably still be there. Uh, but certainly Under Armour is not going anywhere. And I don't, the real question is, can any other shoe company get in that space with Nike and Under Armour 20 years from now, or are they pretty much, you know, gonna, you know, be the two, two top dogs? Be interesting to see how that plays out. I just thought it was interesting. Um, but you know, if you haven't seen it, you know, go on any type of social media, whether it be Facebook, Twitter, and uh, look at some of the memes. You know, I promise you, you'll laugh at some of them. Uh, with that, let's get into some politics. Listening to Politically Entertaining. 
your Cliff's Notes to American Politics. And now your host, Thank you for joining Frank us for another episode Byron. of Politically Entertaining. Uh, you can reach us on iTunes, subscribe, just search for Politically Entertaining. We're also on other podcast formats, uh, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, just type in Politically Inter- Entertaining and you'll find us. Later, we'll be talking to LaShondra Young. She is a fashion blogger at youngaststyle.com. We'll be talking to her. And me and Frank will also be discussing a tragedy that hit our hometown later on in the show. The big news today, Frank, um, over the weekend, last week, a, um, I, I, I guess a, a terrorist, a punk, a cow, whatever you want to call him, he went into this, <clears throat> excuse me, he went into this club in Orlando and he killed, he wound up killing 49 people, injuring another 53. Omar Mateen, he did sick stuff like, uh, I think he called a news station, he called friends, he searched for it on Facebook, all types of uh, just, just very, really sick things. I don't want to say too much on it now because we'll talk about it again later in the show. But Frank, I believe you have a little something to say on this. I do. I do have a lot to say um, about this that that uh, terrible tragedy in Orlando. But as crazy as it sounds, you know, I didn't tell you this before we started the show. I know we talked about it, but I'm going to talk about something else that actually was weighing on me even heavier. And it's something you, you actually teased and said we talked about at the end of the show. But I'm just going to bring it up now. And that's the tragic uh, death of, of Michael Moore. Yes. And the reason why I, I, I changed my heart of what I want to say is, you know, obviously the Orlando tragedy it's it's a terrible thing. Fifty people dead, you know, another fifty people injured. Obviously, uh, people killed, you know, at a night of partying. But this this Michael Moore is another incident that, you know, that that just just doesn't sit well with me. Where a police officer is acting aggressively and kills kills a young man who doesn't appear to have been armed, but already his character has been besmirched by the media. They're already saying he's he was driving a stolen car and he and he went for his gun. And it doesn't make any sense because, you know, from the eyewitness accounts, you know, he did not, you know, aggressively approach the officer. And also the officer shot the the, the, the young man uh, when he was on the ground, uh, incapacitated and then put cuffs on him. So I guess the reason why I, I just wanted to start off with this is, you know, there needs to be an acknowledgement. You know, and one of the things about the Orlando thing that, that I was going to say is. I'm really tired of the politi- politi- uh, the way they politicize everything, you know, the, either the left and the right. You know, you have the gun control argument. You have the, oh, if they had guns, they would be safe. But this is something completely different. And it just seems too often that a black man is getting killed by an officer and people are making excuses for it. And I just am sick and tired of it. And, and, I, and, I'm, and I'm so proud of our, my friends uh, and family who are in Mobile who are, who are part of, you know, just if you're protesting or, or organizing anything to make the the police uh, accountable for this incident. This type of thing is, you know, we, we saw it on TV. We saw it in Ferguson. We, we've seen it with Tamir Rice. We've seen Eric Garner. We've seen different situations. And to, for it to be this close to us, you know, on a street where we actually grew up, like you said, so close to our high school, we actually uh, both attended to have this young man uh, just be killed just like that, especially in the backdrop of when you have shooters like Jared Loeffner, uh, I can't think of the young man's name who who did the Batman shooting. And then you have Dylan Roof. You have people who have killed people and they are being brought in alive. It's like, what did this guy do to get shot on the ground four times? Uh, you know, even if he had done something hostile, uh, you know, initially 
the fact that he was shot in cold blood was just it's just disgusting and I, and I and I'm sick of people I know people are saying you know oh here it goes on the Black Lives Matter movement but it's like you know you can say that if you if you're on this podcast and and, and I hope you're listening you know if you're saying oh here goes on the Black Lives Matter movement you're probably one of the people that don't have any black friends and you know I'm so tired of the narrative being you know if you don't if the the the, the white privilege that exists in this world is you can grow up, these police officers can grow up and be cops in black neighborhoods and never have hung out with black people, never have seen them. And then yet they can police them and exterminate us like rats. They have no, they, they have no compassion for us. And it's really something people don't want to talk about is the fact that white people can grow up in their bubble and then they come out and they're like policing black people and they treat us like animals because they don't know how to deal with us. They don't know how to deescalate situations. They don't know how to uh, not see us as a threat because they see us as a caricature. You know, they, they when they when they think about uh you know black man, it's like everybody's like LeBron James. You know, it's like LeBron James is six nine, he's big, right? But everybody's like this six nine guy. These these are these this this guy Mike Moore. He was a skinny guy, so he's a kid. It's like how much of a threat could he have been to be shot that many times? So just the narrative that's being put out about him having a stolen car. I just I'm just praying that the truth comes out. I just it doesn't doesn't seem right to me. I, again, Byron, I do apologize. This is not what we were going to say, but it just blew my mind, frustrated me that this is happening again, happening so close to home and, and just having us having a platform to address it. We just want, I just want to pray for the people that are involved who, you know, who are protesting and, 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 and in pursuit of the truth. And there's nothing wrong with pursuing the truth to find out what happened, because right now it appears the police are trying to cover it up. So I just want to hope we get to the bottom of that, you know, again. Uh, just just a very frustrating situation. You know, our prayers and thoughts go out to the Moore family and, and, and everybody who's a part of that situation as well. No apologies needed, brother. Um, definitely can understand your anger. Like Frank said, it, it hits close to us because it's it's so near the high school that he and I went to. And even today's guest, LaShondra Young, we even we even talked to her a little bit about it as well. And it happened so it happened like very shortly after the the whole Orlando thing. And with me and Frank, me and Frank, we kind of discussed topics that we're going to discuss on the show. And it's like right after Orlando, this thing with Michael Moore happened. And, you know, it just tied in together in the, in his frustration. So we appreciate you sharing that. And we're going to actually discuss both later on in the show, the Orlando shooting. I have some uh, some angles I'd like to discuss that I don't think have been touched in the mainstream media. And we definitely will delve in a little more on the case of uh, the Michael Brown, the shooting of Michael Brown. Michael, I'm sorry, Michael Moore. I'm, I'm getting them mixed up. Is Like you say, it's happening way too many times. Michael Moore, excuse me for that, folks. Uh, Frank, something we discussed on one of the past episodes, we discussed... Um, Obama going to Cuba and even before that episode we discussed you know the whole embargo thing with Cuba and and now that Obama's been one of his promises was to try to restore relations between our country and Cuba never in my wildest dreams that I think this next story would come up like I haven't thought about this woman in years and I come across this article and it says that US and Cuba officials are in discussions of possibly bringing Asada Shakur back to the States. Now, for those of you that don't know Asada Shakur, she actually broke out of prison. Well, let me take you back further than that. She was a part of, I want to say, the Black Panther movement and then eventually moved on to the Black Liberation uh, Party or something like that. She's uh, She was, she is accused of 
a lot of different crimes from robbery to assault. But the main crime that she was eventually locked up for was the killing of a, a New Jersey state trooper. She wound up, I believe that was in 73. Yeah, it was a shootout on a uh, New Jersey turnpike. One of the New Jersey state troopers after the traffic stop wound up being killed. She was convicted and sent to prison. She escaped in 1979 and has been in Cuba ever since. Um, did you, I, I guess this is almost like a, a rhetorical question, but did you ever think about that? Like once, you know, cause I think when we thought about restoring our relations with Cuba, it was more or less about, you know, I know some people were talking about being able to travel there again. Uh, the city of Miami has a lot of, uh, Cuban, uh, natives or whatever, and it just would be good for that. But she is a very controversial figure. A lot of people will applaud that. Some people stand by her innocence that she did not kill that state trooper. What are your thoughts on this whole Asada Shakur, the United States negotiating with Cuba to bring her back? So let me just get this straight before I respond. So they're negotiating to bring her back to go to prison or to stand trial. Uh, what exactly is the purpose of, of negotiating to bring her back? She She's supposed to be in prison. She is the first woman to be on the FBI's uh, most wanted list. And so, you know, she didn't finish her prison term. She broke out in right. 79. So they are and she's been there and there's like no extradition as for, you know, we don't have a relationship right. with Cuba. So, right. Uh, I mean, it's it's one of those things where I could see it going both ways. You know, you know, I think one of the things that countries who are allies do is they return uh, fugitives to the other country. Uh, I know that there were that, um, you know, there's probably some people that Cuba may want that we have. Um, so I kind of think that it might be uh, that kind of thing as well, where you're like, okay, we're, we're filling out this new relationship. We have this person that's been on the most one list. We, you, you, we know you have her. Can you, you know, bring her in? And so I think it's just, um, unfortunately for her, uh, if she didn't do it, um, you know, or if she, you know, if she did do it, then she, you know, should obviously go to prison. But if she didn't do it, it's unfortunate that she would be brought back, uh, to, to have to go to prison or maybe she would be able to stay in trial or, or, or she was already in prison. Excuse me. Like you said, she broke out. So I don't know if any evidence would be able to exonerate her. So I just think it's one of those things where, unfortunately for her, she's uh, going to be the first maybe example made of the diplomatic relations between Cuba and the U.S. saying, hey, look, we're working together. We're bringing back criminals who killed cop 30 years ago, 40 years ago. So um, my, my thoughts on it are certainly people who have fled to either country uh, deserve if, they, if they've committed a crime, they deserve to be punished for it. Doesn't matter if they've been escaped for you know 30, 40, 50 years. If you do it, commit a crime, uh, you deserve the time for it. Here's where it gets murky, and you actually hit on a point that's uh true. We we do have someone that Cuba would like back by the name of uh Anna Montez. Uh, didn't look into exactly what it is she did, but it's kind of almost like an exchange thing. But wh where it gets murky is. With Asada, the state trooper that survived the uh, shootout, initially in the trial, he said that she uh, he found a gun and she wound up shooting him in the shoulder and then shot the other officer, I believe, in the head or something like that. He wound up retracting all of that. 
that she was still found guilty. So, so, so hold hold on a second. I I, I didn't want to cut you off, but I did want to jump in. You said they want Anna Montez. Yes. I know I know exactly who she is, and I needed to double check before I I jumped in. She is Cuban a former spy. yes. Yeah. So that's very interesting <laughs> that they would be asking for her back because she committed espionage against the United States for the government of Cuba. Right. Okay. She's one of the most famous. Um, you talk about Rick Ames. You talk about uh, uh, Hanson. They made a movie about Hanson not too long ago. I can't think of the name of it where he was spying. Uh, but but when you talk about Hanson, Montez and Ames, those three names right there are two, three of the biggest spies in American history who have caused uh, um, unbelievable damage. You think Snowden caused bad damage. These these um, I mean, Montez was responsible for many uh, debts uh, of information she leaked out. So I find that very interesting, like that. We are we that hard up for Assange Shakur that we'd give up somebody who. Is a is basically a known spy. I mean, to me, that's that's. Mm, if we do that, I would I would definitely. Mm, mm. <laughs> well, like I say, is it is in the talking right now? Uh, who knows what will become of this? But I I didn't see a lot of coverage of it in uh you know on CNN, MSNBC, the big three networks, and I figured we discuss it. I just thought it was interesting because when I saw it, I was like. Oh yeah, she is still down there. Well, I, I guess she's still down there. Hopefully, you know, if she saw that, I, I would guess she got out of there. But like I said, the whole trial with her is murky with the with the officer uh, retracting his statement. But she still was found uh, guilty. And if anything comes to that, we definitely will report it. And for you young people, uh, yes, she is the uh, aunt of the late Tupac Shakur. Um. Again, we will be talking to LaShondra Young later on in the uh, program. She is a uh, fashion, I almost called her a fashion designer, although she probably will be eventually. But she's a fashion blogger. She gives a lot of tips, offers services. Um, she just opened up an, an online clothing store. So we'll talk to her. And like I said, we'll also discuss Michael Moore and Orlando shooting. Frank. Uh, for the last few months, man, it's been, I would say, a bad few months for judges. Uh, it started off with the more serious uh, case of uh, Antonin Scalia passing away back in February. Merrick Garland, he can't get a hearing for Supreme Court to be the next Supreme Court justice. And then you have Judge Aaron Persky and Judge Gonzalo Curiel. I wanted to get your thoughts on both. Aaron, Aaron Persky. A lot of you may have heard about the case in Stanford about the, the swimmer Brock Turner, who uh, some people it's a big deal for some people to use rape. Some are saying sexually assaulted. I want to let you people know, because I've had some people actually come up to me, Frank, and say, please tell me you guys are going to discuss this case. And the fact that they're saying that he sexually assaulted her when he really raped her. The reason they're not using rape, because in California, there has to be penal penetration and there was no penal penetration. Uh, you know, he definitely did some some touching and there was penetration as far as, you know, his fingers or whatever. But she was passed out drunk. He was drunk as well. And he, you know, he did this to her and he was found guilty. He actually admitted to what he did. The prosecution wanted uh, at least I believe it was like they wanted six years. This man wound up getting five months for this. And they pretty much it's kind of like victim victim blaming again as far as 
you know, well, she kind of shouldn't have been drunk and things of that nature. Um, so you have that case with that judge. He's been asked to step down from a new case that he was going to oversee that involves, I believe, a dentist, no, an anesthesiast who had a woman put under and inappropriate touched her. Then you have Judge Gonzalo Curiel, who is the judge over uh, Trump University lawsuit. This guy, man, I can't believe. Well, OK, fine. He won the Republican nomination. This guy, this Trump University, Frank, it pretty much frauded many of the students. They're suing the school. They prom he promised to uh, teach them his secrets to real estate. Come to find out they weren't teaching anything. And the, the so-called elite professors were really a bunch of salesmen who were there working on commission, trying to convince students to upgrade to an even higher class. Frank, one of the classes cost $35,000, brother, 35 Gs, and they got nothing out of it. And so they're suing the university. Trump, because the judge is Hispanic, we all know what Trump said about Hispanics, has said that he can't get a fair trial because of this judge and has been calling him out, injecting his race. A lot of politicians have said that his remarks were racist, even though they're still going to support him. Keep that in mind, folks. He said something racist. They admit he said something racist, but they're going to continue to support him. What What is going on with these judges? Do you have any thoughts on the judge for the Stanford rape case? Any thoughts on what Trump has said about uh, Judge Curiel and what, what's what's going on lately? Man, I mean, it's, it's a bunch of things that's going on, obviously. I think more than anything, uh, you know, just just disappoint. First of all, disappointment in the in the in the, in the Stanford case. Uh, there's no reason that a, a young woman who's unconscious and, you know, both of us obviously have daughters and we've all been to parties, been young and people, you know, make mistakes, drink too much. But that doesn't mean that you double down on some mistake. Maybe somebody drank too much and then you say, well, I'm going to take advantage of them because they're not conscious. So he, he should pay the full penalty of the law and the judge if he's found to have done anything, which it looks like he was, you know, actually the thing that makes me sick is, you know, going back to the beginning of the show, we think we think about how quick we are to demonize, you know, this, um, this Michael Moore. They said that, you know, and I, and I hate to go back to this. I mean, I don't hate to go back to it, but I'm, I'm going back to it, but they demonize him and say, Oh, you know, um, you know, he, he had a stolen car and he may have pulled a gun. No evidence at all that this happened. We just know that he got shot five times, four times on the ground after he was already not moving. But yet there is a judge out there that can say, hey, this guy's got a bright future ahead of him, even though we know he knowingly went after a woman and targeted her because she was unconscious. That is 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 definitely an issue. Um, and that's why, you know, people are so frustrated by this case and to think that, you know, he, he deserved anything less than what he got. Uh, certainly, he had a register as a sex offender. Uh, USA Swimming said, you know, you're done. You're not going to be a part of that. So I think that, you know, he definitely suffers for that punishment. So that's really good uh, as well. You know, hopefully he'll, you know, learn his lesson. And and certainly, uh, you know, I don't I, like I said, he's a, he's a young man. I'm not excusing his actions. What I am saying is he deserves a full punishment. I think that's the thing people don't understand is that, OK, sure. Yeah. To say that he can't be rehabilitated. That's one thing. But to think that he should get off because he has may have a bright future. Well, he made a horrible decision and he deserves to pay the full penalty for it. You can't go back and say, well, he could have been a good guy. So let's not uh, punish him for what he did. As far as the Trump University case, I mean, 
every is, is anything Trump is involved in not a scam? I mean, I'm not at all, you know, at all surprised that Trump University is a joke. I know that ACN for years, people try to get me an ACN. And I was like, I'm not getting an ACN. And I think I was another one of his uh, network marketing things that probably is not uh, probably is going to come under fire at some point. But you know, Donald Trump doesn't to me is a very much and this I'm not answering the question about the judge just yet, but I don't think the judge did anything wrong necessarily. I mean, I think it's painfully obvious to, to those who have any sense that Donald Trump is a guy who is a is is I don't think he's as rich as he says he is. He's a front runner who's you know, he's 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 made some investments. He's made some money here and there. He's made some alliances, but he doesn't have anything sound to his name. You know, he's the same guy that. You know, the USFL was a successful football league and he basically ruined that into the ground. Uh, he actually may have been able able to broker a merger between the NFL and the USFL if he had just played his cards right. But he actually attempted to move the USFL to the same part of the season as the NFL and they ended up getting crushed and they ended up winning an antitrust suit where they won a dollar. I think that's, that's a, I think that's how the outcome that happened. But he's not even a good enough businessman to play his leverage against the NFL. So to me, he's not that great a businessman he's had he's got a lot of money and if i had a lot of money i could gamble and make and win some and lose some too so you know i I just don't agree you know with anything he's a part of obviously but i don't think the judge ruled unfairly because anytime you're paying thirty five thousand dollars for a class i mean i need to be seeing some kind of immediate results i need to be getting a license i mean i don't i don't know the full story but i mean was there a license that was going to be received was there going to be i'm going to be certified i'm paying thirty five thousand dollars i need to be somebody special if I come out of that class. I mean, that is, that is ridiculous. That's a car. <laughs> <laughs> what, what Trump is doing is he's hedging his bets. So what he's doing is if he loses the case, he can say, see, I told you, I, I told you I wasn't getting a fair shake. He didn't like me because of my stance on, on building a wall between Mexico and he's, a, he's, a, he's Hispanic. So that's why I didn't win it. And if he wins, of course, you know, he, he wins. So that that's that's the deal with that. But it's interesting after he railed against this judge just the other day, he's pretty much asking the judge not to release videos. The judge is considering releasing videos of the students testimonial, the deposition videos of of the Trump University and, and what they were going through as far as with the scam. So they're you know, he's going from criticizing the judge and talking bad about him to almost like you know, pleading with the judge, please don't do this. So I found that interesting with the judge in the Stanford rape case. I'm first off, I'm glad that there was an outcry to remove him and, and that there's been a pushback, but, and I'm glad those people care, but you know, it's, it's just, it's so interesting. The father saying that, you know, his son shouldn't be punished for 20 minutes worth of mistake. Um, Again, Frank, I just I just honestly don't think we care enough about women and their well-being and the abuse of them. I tell you what, this would have a lot more traction. He would get a lot harsher sentence if this was, as we talked about with Trump earlier, if he was an illegal immigrant and he did the same thing. Oh, they would be throwing the book at this guy. You know, if he was a, a, a black felon that just got out of jail, especially if it was like some liberal judge or or governor or whatever that released him from jail early earlier than his sentence dictated and he did this we would be hearing a lot more about this but this you know what this this white clean looking guy you know they had to fight i've never seen a police department try to hide the mugshot like the press had to actually fight to get this mugshot released so 
it's just been interesting. I just still think we don't care enough. I mentioned this when we discussed the whole Ray Rice thing and a couple other domestic violent cases. We don't care enough about women. We immediately think, you know, we, we immediately victim blame. Like, what could they have done to avoid this instead of holding an adult accountable for their actions? But hopefully that'll eventually change. But it, it's just it's just disgraceful. Gonna lighten the mood a little bit. You know, Frank uh, went off in the beginning of the show, very passionate, uh, discussing this topic. So we're going to lighten the mood a little bit, talk to LaShondra Young about uh, the things she has going on and the temperature uh, in Mobile with the whole Michael Moore thing. So let's talk to Miss LaShondra Young. Listen up. It's time for a politically entertaining exclusive interview. Joining us today on Politically Entertaining, she, in my opinion, is one of the hardest working women in fashion. She has a blog that you can find and follow at youngatstyle.com. Along with Don Rankin, she's also started an online women's clothing and accessory shop, Shop Inside Out. You can visit shopinsideout.com to check them out. LaShondra Young, thank you for joining us today. Hey, I am excited to be here. I am excited. That's good because we are very, very excited to have you here doing all these different things down there. You're staying busy. Yes. I know. Um, we, we, we definitely going to talk a lot about um, fashion. Real quick, though, you know, we're all from Mobile. Me and Frank, we now are no longer living in Mobile. You, however, are still down there. Before we get into fashion, I did want to get your take on what the temperature is like down there with the tragedy that has happened in Mobile with the young teenager getting shot. Have you ever have you been able to get a sense of what the uh, reaction has been like with the people down there? Are there any organized protests, anything? Oh, gosh, yes. Actually, uh, first of all, very sad, you know, something that you always um, – kind of put in the back of your head that, hey, hopefully this never happened, you know, close to home, but, hey, this is this is now our reality. And they actually have um, several, you know, organized, um, you know, vigils or what have you um, actually going on now. And, you know, the thing that comes to my mind is, you know, my own son. I have a five-year-old son, and the only thing I can do now at this point is to pray for him and to pray for other, you know, moms and dads that are raising, you know, their children, but, but especially our boys. So my heart goes out to our city, you know, to, you know, to Mike Moore, you know, parents and friends and family. It's just a situation that I think could have definitely been, um, you know, prevented. We definitely will, uh, me and Frank will address that. More later in the show, but I definitely want to, uh, you know, get the opinion of someone that's actually down there. So, so thank you for that. Um, let's get into some fashion, shall we? Um, yeah. My first, my first question for you. Okay, so what what made you want to pursue fashion and really take on such a big, um, a big, a big uh, responsibility as far as a big passion as far as like starting the the clothing shop that I mentioned and the blog and giving tips and offering different services. What what created that desire for you? 
you know, I started taking pictures with my iPhone, you know, showing off my showing off my Sunday best. And my friends and family were like, hey, you need to put this online. This is some good stuff. And I was like, nobody wants to see me in my Sunday outfits or what have you. But then I kind of thought about it, and I said, hey, why not? So it, it kind of turned into me showing off my Sunday outfits to me showing off my daily outfits to me then showing women how to dress what they already have in their closet, how to dress their body types. So it, it, it just kind of went from there. It went from me blogging outfits, from me holding, to me hosting events in Mobile, and it just kind of took off from there. And then my friends um, kind of was like, hey, you want to start our online clothing store? And I was hey, why not? So we, it took us actually a year to get everything off the ground and running because, you know, we wanted everything kind of top-notch, classy. We had to work with a um, a businessman by the name of Melvin Washington and actually another boutique owner, Jordana Johnson. So they actually kind of helped us to get things off the ground, writing business plans, those pesky IRS forms, and it just went from there, and here we are today. Now, you mentioned some of the services you offer. I know you offer, like, personal shop sessions, and as you mentioned, like, closet consultations where women can use clothes that they already have, and you help them uh, piece it together. I'm wondering, have, do you feel like you've reached your ceiling, or do you see yourself eventually trying to become a, a stylist for some big names or a fashion designer? Do you want one? Do you want one of those TV shows I see? Like, or do you feel like you found your lane? Like, what is the ceiling for Lachandra Young? I think I think I am almost at my ceiling, but I think the boutique was definitely that that point for me. But but you actually hit it dead on on the nail. I I want to host a fashion show like a fashion police show or just a show just to empower and just to encourage women that, you know, style is is so much more than what we wear. But, you know, it's our struggles, it's our flaws and so forth. So I definitely want to hopefully go into TV when it comes to displaying women and their styles. So definitely I think once I reach that point, then I would say, hey, I have – I have reached my ceiling, but even then, I believe I can go even higher than that because, hey, the sky's the limit. And that's interesting uh, uh, that you say that, and this is Frank. I'm jumping in here, uh, Lashandra. And so, okay, I want to I want to ask you. I know I know we said you know I can ask you a bunch of political questions before we started, but this is an interesting question. It's not totally political. Uh, it relates to. I, I know you had the video campaign when you were working, doing the thing for Red Book Magazine, and I'm, I'm going to ask you about that in just a bit, but that was very creative. I think it was awesome. You, you were getting people to vote, and so they were voting, obviously, for you to, to appear in the magazine. Now, obviously, the word vote and politics goes hand in hand. So with that in mind, if you were, say, approached by a, a political figure who you respected, would you, you know, and since fashion sometimes 
can can be political, would you be averse to wearing or supporting a political figure in you know in, in, with your fashion or or having a certain fashion developed for a political figure you believed in? Is that something you would ever consider or be a part of, uh, especially in today's climate where we want our young people to vote and having certain people mm-hmm. in that position uh, could maybe um, ha- how would you say encourage them to to vote and exercise their right? It's funny that you say that because even when I was doing the whole advertising of me doing the Red Book mag- the whole Red Book mag- magazine of you know to encouraging people, telling them to vote for me, I was actually thinking about people voting this November. Would I be this active, or, or you know, would I be this this strong when it with my advertising and voting this November? And I would definitely consider it, but I would definitely have some type of guard up. I would encourage voting versus voting who to vote for. But I would definitely, or I would consider, you know, being part of that whole exercise your right, vote, 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 because, of course, it's so important even right now, you know, especially this November coming up is very important. But, yes, I I would definitely be part of something of that because I think I think style, I think my platform, I think I can definitely make a mark on 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 our generation and even the younger even the younger generation to kinda of put the word out there like, hey, she's voting. But surely I can get out there and vote. I can I can be stylish and vote, sure. However yeah, I think that's right. Or however you do it. Just huh. I think that's very interesting that you say that because um, especially, you know, one of the things Byron and I talk about on our previous shows, and I don't know if you listen to any of those, but you can listen to those on mm-hmm. iTunes or any other, uh, or, or on Google Play or anything like that. But one of the things we talk about is voting in local elections. And obviously, uh, not to backtrack and bring up the situation that just happened in Mobile, but obviously when things like that happen and you have a police chief and a district attorney, those are locally elected officials. So we, we preach about, you know, on the show about voting in local elections and, and things like that. Mm-hmm. And so one of the mm-hmm. things that would be interesting is, during this political season, I would I would ask you and maybe even challenge you to say, hey, would you come up with a political line of clothing like you know vote or you know you know f- somehow factoring in factoring in that uh, you know it's p- for uh, potential marketing because you know yes. it'd be popular. Yes, I, hey, I am all for that, and that makes so much sense because a lot of my um, a lot of my target audience are visuals. If they can see it, then they can believe it. So I would, I, I think BET or I, I can't remember who, who who actually had the slogan, but it was um, it was Walk the Vote, and I think somebody else had another slogan. I can't think of it right now, but yeah, I think something definitely along those lines will will definitely get people to voting. You know, kind of, I guess put it as it relates to style and and fashion. Hey, I can be cool and stylish and fashionable and vote. So but I can I would I would definitely consider that. Hey, I'm considering it right now. I just wrote it down. Very, very cool. And and I'm gonna ask you one more question. Uh, with as far as the red book, everybody wants to know, at least I wanna know, we, we voted, we saw your awesome videos. Uh yeah. what what ended can you tell us what ended up happening uh with that? I can't say very much, but August would be a great month to to um to pick up a red book magazine. <laughs> so is that 
Is that something with breaking news right there? <laughs> I mean, I like Red Book. I would say pick up a Red Book magazine now. I would say pick uh-huh. up Life Issues, pick up an <laughs> Issues, pick up a Simpsons. I mean, just, just buy a Red Book. Okay. You know, get a subscription, basically. Pick, 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 pick up Red Book, but folks, especially in August and September, you know, take a yeah. take, some, <laughs> take some extra time to check it out if you can. Yeah. We are talking to LaShondra Young. She is the co-founder yeah. of Shop Inside Out. And by the way, Shop, that's S-H-O-P-P-E, S-H-O-P-P-E, shopinsideout.com. Also, fashion blogger where you can pick up tips and, you know, you can check her out as far as the different outfits she's wearing at youngaststyle.com. You can also follow her on Twitter at youngaststyle. Miss Young, you are the wife of a pastor, correct? I am. I was curious to know. um, (laughs) (laughs) You sound like you know what I'm going to ask.
you mentioned earlier, you know, some of the things you hope to do as far as inspiring inspiring women to uh, feel good about themselves and, and take better uh, care and attention to how they dress and how they look. Um, I'm curious to know what or who has been, you know, your inspiration, if there's any, and, again, just reiterate what it is that you hope to inspire with Young at Style. Well, if I had to think of, of any one person in, in, I guess, in particular, that would be my grandmother, Charlie Bell Holmes. From, you know, when I was, you know, since, you know, I was a little girl, being a little girl, Clark, LaFleur High School, even college, she always taught, you know, my sister and I and, you know, even my brother, we are a representation of Christ. We are a representation of her. So no matter where we went, whether it was to the store, down the street, at school, at church, we had to care ourselves as young ladies and as young men. So that was from what came, what came out of our mouths, what we put on. We had to think about those things before we actually either said them or put them on. So even now, you know, I'm grown, I'm married, I'm with a child, she still, you know, inspire you know, she still inspires me and of course my sister as well to hey, be the best we can be even right now. And if we struggle, we know we can go to God and He will give us strength. We know we can pray because he would then give us strength again, or, you know, whenever we need it. But I would definitely say my grandmother, because even in her worst times, she is the most humble, strongest woman that I know. And she inspires me, you know, even when, even when she didn't have, she wanted us to have. I can remember her, matter of fact, I think it was our prom, our junior or senior prom, but um, she didn't have enough money or I don't know what it was to get somebody a pair of dress shoes or whatever it was, but I don't think she knew I knew this, but she actually called one of her friends to borrow this money. And I remember thinking, wow, that took a lot of her, a lot out of her to even ask anybody for money. All so that we could be, yes, also, we could be happy, and I, and I would never ever forget that. So that lady inspires me even to this day. She makes Younger Style, you know, run inside out. All that is because she instilled in us where our strength comes from. My grandmother. That is, that that was a tremendous a tremendous answer. Uh, Thank you for sharing that. Again, we are talking to uh, Ms. LaShondra Young. She is a fashion blogger at youngatstyle.com. Please check that out. You can follow her on Twitter, youngatstyle. And also, don't forget to check out their online clothing store, Shop Inside Out. Again, that's S-H-O-P-P-E, shopinsideout.com. We really appreciate you coming on today. No, thank you for having me, and please have me again. I appreciate you guys. That makes my heart swell. I want to thank 
Sandra Young for joining us. Again, the site is youngastyle.com. So please check that out. You can follow her on Twitter at youngastyle. She's doing some big things. She's a great person. And I'm I'm very sincere about the uh, the pictures that she posts. She looks great. She has some some what I would assume some great tips just looking at how she's dressed. So, you know, ladies, if you're looking for some pointers, definitely check her out. Congratulations to her on that. We wish her the best. And that last answer she gave us, man, about her grandmother, I felt like that was a tremendous answer. She really opened up. And LaShondra, we thank you for sharing that. And, and we're proud of you. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it was it was a great testimony. You know, certainly she um, touched touched home with that inspiration being her, you know, her grandmother. Uh, that You know, it's always a great story to hear where people's inspiration comes from, you know, and, and, and she has a great uh, vision for for fashion, a great eye for it. Uh, you know, so we're definitely, uh, you know, just looking forward to seeing where she goes. You know, we 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 know her personally. So she's she is a. Uh, as good, you know, as good as the person she sounds like on, on this interview, she's even better. So we're just happy that she was able to come on. Certainly, uh, as as we go forward, uh, we'd like to have her back on, uh, maybe near or close to the election, and and get her thoughts. Maybe she's done some things with the fashion uh, regarding that as well, and just kind of keep up with her uh, regarding her progress. She actually is already working on that whole um, fashion and tying it into voting inspiration type thing that you guys mentioned. Uh, she sent me a picture of it. So, again, just thank you for coming on, Miss Young. We really enjoyed you and appreciate you coming on. Uh, I said we would touch back on it, and we are here, so let's touch back on it again. At the top of the show, we mentioned the Orlando shooting that happened at a, a gay nightclub called Pulse. A uh, gentleman went in there with a uh, AR-15, killed 49 people, injured another 53 did some sick things about it. A lot of people took issue with it being called the worst shooting in American history. Uh, a lot of people mentioned uh, this massacre that took place in Louisiana. Uh, a lot of people mentioned Black Wall Street. Uh, I don't want to say you guys are wrong. I think the dispute comes in is that like with Black Wall Street in Louisiana, it wasn't just shooting like it was lynching going on. It was bombings. It was fire. When they say worst shooting, they're just strictly talking about a shooting, not the worst massacre, just the worst shooting massacre ever. And if I'm wrong, you know, correct me on our Facebook page. But I believe that's what they're doing with it. Uh, a big debate. You mentioned this earlier, Frank, when we were just, when you brought up the whole Orlando thing, how people began, you know, trying to push their political agendas. And, you know, on the left, you had. Democrats saying that, hey, this is why we need some stricter laws on guns. And then on the right, you have Republicans criticizing the president saying why he should be calling this radical Islam and calling it a terrorist and things of that nature. I want to touch on the gun part first. Uh, Senator Chris Murphy from Connecticut, he filibustered on the Senate floor this past uh, Wednesday. He talked for uh, 14 hours. If you listen to the last episode, me and Frank actually touched on filibuster. So that was kind of perfect timing. But uh, he filibustered. And basically what he was trying to say was the thing is, if you're on a terrorist watch list, you can't board a plane. You can't fly anywhere if you're on a terrorist watch list. But you can buy a gun. And this guy, he had been in investigated by the FBI twice. So, you know, he was on the terrorist watch list. But he still was able to buy a gun. And Senator Chris Murphy and a lot of the other Democrats 
uh, Cory Booker was out there with him as well, saying that that doesn't make any sense. If you're on a terrorist watch list, you shouldn't be able to buy a gun either. Republicans are saying that, no, sometimes people mistakenly end up on the terrorist watch list and you'll be violating their rights to, you know, to the Second Amendment if you stop, if you don't allow them from uh, buying guns. Most notably, Senator Kennedy was on the terrorist watch list for a while, mistakenly. So they do make mistakes. But my take from that, Frank, is if I'm on a terrorist watch list, my number one priority is getting my name cleared. Uh, it's not so much trying to buy a gun. If I'm on a terrorist watch list, that's the number one thing I'm trying to, to take care of. So I want to get your thoughts on that. And also, do you buy into the criticism that Obama should say the term radical Islam? Trump criticized him on it. Many prominent Republicans criticized him on it. And their argument is by not identifying exactly what this threat is that we that we are facing against terrorists and that we're facing against, quote, radical Islam. You don't know how to properly fight this war. You know, he's criticized a lot on fighting terrorism. Does any of that matter at all? And since you mentioned people pushing their political agendas, are you thus criticizing Democrats for bringing up the whole gun thing after this Orlando shooting? That's a great question and a great setup. Um, you know, so originally when we talked, I was going to lead off the show and kind of rant on this. But obviously, certainly certain other things happen, as, as you heard earlier in the show. I'm the thing that kills me. Um, and that was a bad timing to say that. But the thing that bothers me is, you know, you have people die and, and it's a horrible tragedy. And the moment that people die, people are trying to find an angle of why it happened or what's wrong or a way to have it could have been stopped and whose fault it is. And, and let me just say that this this young man um, who, who committed this crime, uh, he, he had he would have found a way to do it. Regardless, I'm not and I'm not saying that there doesn't need to be stricter gun laws. But what I'm saying is right after people are mourning in, in death, don't inflame it by trying to push your agenda. And, you know, I, and one of the things that really blew me away was the lieutenant governor from Texas. I believe his name is Dan Patrick. I hope I'm saying that right. Uh, I hope that's the right name. Yes. Um, He actually tweeted or his Instagram or some form of social media, uh, basically a verse in the Bible that basically said, you know, hey, read what you sow, meaning like homosexuality is such a bad thing that that's why this happened. And of course, you have even, you know, the Westboro Baptist Church, which is not even a real church. You know, of course, they they, they were they were happy uh, celebrating the shooting. But what I will say is I can't, it just blew my mind that uh, for people that are Christian and I, I, I am a Christian, I'm not not afraid to admit it. But you're disgusting uh, as a Christian and you and you, you need to really uh, ask yourself, are you a Christian? If you can celebrate the death of, of people, and if you think that the sexual immorality at, at a homosexual nightclub is any greater than that at a, at a heterosexual nightclub, you're you're by far mistaken. Uh, sexual sin is sexual sin, and I'm pretty sure I've been to enough clubs in my life. I went to University of Miami. I've seen a lot of things, and I can tell you that it wasn't it wasn't it wasn't holy. Okay, and so I, I'm not. I'm just saying that it's amazing that we have a political party that would actually some people would actually rationalize as a horrible tragedy that's disgusting to me and then obviously the, the asinine argument of well if people had, had guns in the club they would have uh, maybe been able to stop the shooter stop that right there it's like guns in clubs just don't work uh obviously it was a horrible situation that happened but could you imagine if another person or two people had guns and they were also shooting 
they would have been identified as three hostiles. So the cops are going to get there and think they have three hostiles. They're not going to know that you're the good guy or that you're trying to, you know, this isn't a movie. Uh, you know, you're, you're, it's not like you can you can be Hugh Jackman or some or some famous action star and save your you know family. It just doesn't work like that. And so it just bothered me that, as you mentioned, people were pushing their agendas instead of just saying this is a horrible tragedy. And instead of just accepting it as as, as part of the, the world we've built for ourselves, where we hate and go against those those things, those those are the things that cause you know, death has been happening. People have been killing people way before guns. So I don't want to make this into a big gun battle. You know, what if the guy had walked into the to the club and had a suicide vest on, uh, you know, and, and certainly the idea that he claimed he identified with ISIL. Well, he he just claimed he did. I mean, to me, it's no different than, uh, you know, maybe somebody identifying the Ku Klux Klan 100 years ago when they wanted to. Uh, commit atrocities against African-Americans. I think that people find a guise to to hide their evil behind and say, yeah, I'm part of ISIS or I identify with ISIS and I'm going to do this. Uh, you know, th- th- to me, there's no way to there's there's so many soft targets in America. And I've seen this on Facebook for some for some very from friends that are really educated. There's no way to stop this. I mean, you have soft targets like malls, movie theaters, nightclubs. There's no way to police somebody who wants to come in there and do damage. And, and that's why we have to be vigilant. You know, obviously gun control laws and, and just what, what the main thing that came out of this to me was, and I don't mean to go on so long, but his wife kind of had an inkling what was going on. You know, he had shown some behavior yeah. and she to me is, is, is that's, that's the thing. It's like, it's one thing to say, okay, you're going to prevent something from happening, uh, you know, by somebody you don't know that's, you know, you don't know if somebody's going to wake up and be a shooter. And, and the thing about background check, and I don't mean to double back on this, but you could pass a background check today and lose your mind tomorrow, and then who's going to come take your gun? That's the problem I have with just using the, the background. You know, cause we had we had uh, Dr. Amanda Williams. Uh, you can go back and listen to that episode on iTunes or, or Google Play or Stitcher or Podbean, and she talked about you know the, the problems of mental health and how it's tough to diagnose. And, and one of the questions I asked her is, how do you know if somebody's good one day and then not good? And she's like, there's no real gauge for that. So. What if you have all these people who have lawfully bought guns, passed background check, but then something happens, their wife dies, they lose a child, they lose their job, and then they snap. And now they're a hostile individual identifying with ISIL. How are you going to stop that? So I just think that, you know, people being more vigilant about the people they know, if you notice something strange in people at work or your friend or your spouse, you need to take action and not let it get out of hand, because I think that's the main thing. We have to be more vigilant as a people because the police can't combat this and the government can't combat this at the level at which things are happening. So it's just it's just a different way to think about it. And it's also something to understand that, you know, everybody, um, you know, tragedy happens all over the world. And, and America is getting a little bit more of a taste of it more recently. But it's, it's like it's just something that is part part of, um, you know, something we, we reap what we sow as, as a nation, you know, and, and the things we do and the way we're hateful. That, that that's just to me some of that's coming back on us but i don't want to i don't want to preach a sermon or anything like that but i just wanted to say that and like again my thoughts and prayers go out to all the victims families and friends that, that were in that tragedy and, and and hopefully um we will be able to not have these type of things happen in the future but unfortunately there's no real way to prevent it now i have a small uh soapbox to stand on myself first off I did want to, uh, I guess, present the so-called other side. Lieutenant Dan, Pat- Lieutenant Governor Dan Patrick, representatives have said that it was a, uh, it was a tweet that it was a timed tweet that was actually supposed to go out the day before and it didn't, and it just wound up going out at that time. 
I don't know if you want you people want to buy that or believe that, but that was their explanation and that it so called had nothing to do with the Orlando shooting. Yeah, right, buddy. Um, but what I want to touch on, and I slightly disagree with you on this, Frank, is I, ha- I actually have no problem with them uh, pushing for legislation, you know, immediately after this shooting. Because to me, in my opinion, the only thing you can get big thing, the only time you can get big things done, is when tragedy strikes. Like that's the only time people are actually moved to actually do something. Otherwise, they're not going to ever want to do anything about it. So, for for instance. You know, of course, we still have, you know, racial problems in this country. And we certainly would touch on that when we discuss Michael Moore in a minute. But I think a big turning point for this country was when 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 America saw, you know, those three little girls in Birmingham getting bombed in a church or when America saw German shepherds and water hoses being turned on black Americans like that really touched at the conscience. Like, yo, those are those are actual people that are getting treated like that. And, you know, eventually we had the civil rights uh, law passed and things of that nature. So sometimes I think, you know, sad, tragic things have to happen in order to get things actually done. And no, it won't. And they admit that it will not solve every, you know, uh, gun attack or gun massacre. But, you know, when you're able to go and buy a gun, a gun at a gun show and not go through any background check, 40 percent of the guns that they confiscate in Chicago and all those shootings that you hear about, what we call it Chirac now, 40% of those guns are purchased in gun shows in Illinois. So there are ways we can try. I don't think we can just, we can't avoid trying to find a solution, even if that solution isn't going to 100% fix the problem. We have to try to do something. It speaks, it's, there's a reason why we are the only nation that has this much gun violence. The only, the only you know, civilized nation that has this type of gun violence when you compare you know the other nations in the world so no it won't solve everything but something come can be done last point i wanted to make frank i've had this discussion several times it came up you know especially with the whole gay people being allowed to use uh, well actually transgender people being able to use the bathroom and i consistently brought up the point you know who do you think is going to get it where do you think uh, a transgender man is going to get attacked more a man dressed up like a woman going into a women's bathroom or a man dressed up as a woman going into a, a, a men's bathroom. Like men still have a big issue with that. And and you can see people still have a big issue with that. This guy specifically targeted gay people. Uh, the, a day later in California, Los Angeles, they actually stopped this guy, but he had a whole bunch of weapons and he had the ingredients to make pipe bombs. And he was headed towards a gay pride parade in Los Angeles. I'm not sure if they've proved what his intent was, but that that's that definitely is uh, circumstantial at the very least. People still have a problem with homosexuality in this country. Frank mentioned the, the churches, that so-called church's response. So, again, ask yourself when when people ask me, you know, is it really that bad or people really attacking, still attacking gay people? Yes. Yes, they are. Uh, before we go, we mentioned this at the top of the show. Frank mentioned it passionately, and uh, I, I really enjoyed that by you, brother. Um, here's what happened. You heard us talk about it with with Lashore, and like I said, Frank discussed it as well. 19-year-old Michael Moore, he is uh, driving in a Lexus, and this off-duty police officer, this police officer who's on his way to work, 
I think he had a, was it a broken tail light, Frank? I can't remember what the traffic stop was originally for. But he gets on the, uh, he goes to the car. Allegedly, Michael Moore doesn't have a valid driver's license. So he runs his, uh, he has some type of other identification. He runs it. Uh, he runs the car. The car comes back stolen. He asks Mike, Mr. Moore to get out the car. <sighs> he gets out the car. The police are saying that he had a cell phone in his hand. He asked him to put the cell phone on top of the car. It was when he reached to put the phone on top of the car that the officer saw the gun. He drew his weapon and is alleging that Moore went for his gun, shot him three times. Evidently, Moore moved again and he shot him a fourth time. Now, witnesses have a completely different story. Frank, I don't know if you saw the original chief's statement. But when I say that thing was piss poor, that was a piss poor statement. And I was like, yo, I was poking so many holes in this statement. Well, now they have updated that statement and they are now saying that because originally they didn't say originally they didn't say he went for a gun. All they said was he got out the car. There was an altercation. The officer saw the gun and shot him. Now this new account mentions no altercation whatsoever. So a little murky with that. Also, I just learned, Frank, that the police. So the young man was handcuffed. He was lying there, you know, dead. A lot of people had a problem with handcuffing a dead body. Now, I can speak to this a little bit. A lot of times police officers will still handcuff someone because a police officer cannot legally presume someone dead. Only medical people can. And so if you're still alive, you're still a threat. So you still handcuff them because you don't know if they're dead or not. But. That kind of negates that point because the medical people were the ones that removed the gun. They never removed the so-called gun from his waistband. So why are you turning your back and walking away? Because there there's video and pictures of mobile police like walking away, leaving the body on the ground handcuffed. Why are you walking away from someone that you have handcuffed with a gun still in your waistband? Like it, it's a lot of things that are not making sense to me at all. I know you got most of your thoughts out of the way at the beginning. Did you have any other thoughts on, you know, things that you've read as far as this case, witness accounts, statements from the police, share whatever you got. I mean, you you covered a great amount of it about the whole statement being uh, piss poor being a great term. I mean, I just feel like this. I feel like they're trying to cover something up anytime to me that, you know, you're you're talking about, you know, shooting somebody on the ground who's not moving multiple times. It's like he never did. You know, it's, it's not clear. I heard different reports saying there was a gun in the car. There was he went for a gun. You know, having a gun in your car is not a crime either. in Alabama. I think there is a law that allows you to to ride with a weapon if you have a license for it. Now, obviously, we don't know that situation if it was, you know, someone else's gun in the car, anything like that. So my my thing is. Why are you so quick to shoot this this guy? And then uh, there's an eye, there's eyewitness accounts where people are basically saying that, you know, they saw, you know, the the, the traffic stop happened, and all of a sudden it was kind of like they saw the guy back up and they saw the the officer shoot the, the this young man. So to me, I don't understand what could have happened. Um, and that's what I mentioned earlier in the show about de-escalating situation. Let's just say, um, 
the the young man had a word with the officer like, hey, why did you stop me? Or I didn't do anything wrong. That's still no reason to get shot. And I understand you should respect your law enforcement officers if you get pulled over or anything like that. But the idea that he did anything to get shot there and they're trying to invent reasons why he, you know, um, is supposed to get shot. That's that's the main problem. So I'm hoping that the truth comes out. I'm hoping that somebody who's close to the situation tells the truth. Um, an officer is convicted in spirit and tells the truth about what happened because this cannot continue to go on. And can you can you folks please do me this favor? Whenever something like this happens, can you please stop bringing up black on black crime? It's it's annoying. And I know you get a lot of likes and a lot of people will amen you and say preach. That's right. Preach for the last time. Here is the difference. When black on black crime occurs, justice is usually pursued or done. Justice is usually uh, done or at least at the very least pursued. A lot of times with these police officers shooting unarmed men, and I'm not just speaking specifically about this Michael Moore case. I'm just speaking in general. A lot of times when these police officers shoot unarmed men, they are getting away with it. You saw what happened in South Carolina when the guy shot the black guy in the back picked up the gun, picked up the, uh, I believe it was the stun gun or something and dropped it next to him. Thank God that young man was recording him with his cell phone or he would have gotten away with it because his police report was not adding up to what actually happened. That is the difference. Yes, we do know that there, there's a problem within our community with crime. It gets addressed every day. Just because you don't see it doesn't mean it's not happening. I get sick and tired of seeing, well, y'all don't never say nothing when it's black on black crime. There, there are entire foundations and companies dedicated to fighting this every single day. St just stop it. it it's, it's apples and oranges, okay? You don't want to hold a police officer to the same standard as a gangbanger, do you? It's, it's, it's a big difference. So this whole... Well, well, y'all only say something when it's a police officer because police officers are supposed to protect us. That's not what you expect out of a police officer. You expect a drug dealer to shoot somebody. And when he does, he gets apprehended usually and put in jail. Justice is served. Many times in these cases, justice is not served. Do you see the difference? If not, I can't help you. Again, I just want the truth to come out of this. OK, if everything that happened with the police said is correct, my criticism would be, well, you guys definitely should have said at the beginning because you have two varying stories with it. And if this man was shot uncaused because originally they said the officer thought his cell phone was a gun. Now, apparently they found a gun. Whatever the case may be, I hope the truth come out and that true justice is served and that all parties find peace. But this whole bringing up black on black crime when when an officer kills a man, it, it has to stop. And it's so frustrating and it takes everything in me not to comment when you when you post that stupid stuff. But that's just my thoughts on that. Again, we want to thank you for listening to Politically Entertaining. You can subscribe to us on iTunes, Political, I mean, excuse me, Podbeam, uh, Podcast, Stitcher Radio. Just go to Google Play, download the apps, search for Politically Entertaining. We ask that you, uh, if you already liked our Facebook page, encourage about five more friends to come and like the page. If you've already subscribed to the show, encourage another five of your friends 
that you think may like the show to subscribe. We want to continue to grow and grow this uh, show. Me and Frank, we enjoy doing what doing this each and every week. And, um, you know, we just want to keep bringing you the news and bringing you interesting guests. And I want to thank LaShondra Young again for coming on. And I'm going to let Frank take us out. Again, thank you for listening, everybody out there. We do the show for you. We're so happy to be able to do a show, especially in a week like this with such tragedy hitting home. As Byron said, just encourage. Uh, we want to encourage you to listen, uh, get your friends to listen um, and, and such like that so we can make the changes. We've got a big election coming up. we got some big things happening in the world. We can make a change doing this together. Again, thank you for su- your support. We'll see you guys soon on another episode of Politically Entertaining. Thank you for listening to Politically Entertaining. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast via iTunes and visit politicallyentertaining.com for the latest in political news and updates. Thank you.